There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. HarperCollins presents... Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. Neve, Helena, Elle, and Leone, four lifelong friends who also happen to belong to the oldest coven in the United Kingdom. When oracles predict the genocide of all witches, the women must choose where their allegiances lie, with the coven or with each other. The New York Times called Her Majesty's Royal Coven superb and charming. From best-selling author Juno Dawson comes a brand new fantasy trilogy for fans of a discovery of witches or the craft. Out now in hardback and audiobook, narrated by Nicola Coughlin, star of Bridgerton. Her Majesty's Royal Coven by Juno Dawson. Hello and welcome to So I Got to Thinking, the weekly Sex and the City podcast where we take the timeless questions of Carrie Bradshaw and apply them to modern life and love. You are listening to Nathan Fine and Bitsy Von Muffling. It's Juno Dawson and Dylan B. Jones. And once again, Dylan is joining us from an overseas location as if he were in America's Next Top Model <laughs> contestant. Hello. Hello. I'm, I'm coming to you from um, a villa in Paxos. I'm here for a wedding. Um, it's all very Mamma Mia. I'm going to put on some dungarees and run around with my hair flowing later. <laughs> I believe it. You have a lot of billowy shirts as well. So I imagine you are billowing. You know the white linen is all out. Um, the mm-hmm. the slightly Sienna Miller, Aztec, boho chic necklaces are out as well. It's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> you are living your best life. And I don't know what this says about us, that we are both two holiday families this year as well. <laughs> Have we become the people we hated? Don't, I think we have. Don't tell Greta. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is this a bad time to introduce our special guest this Greta week? Massive Sex and the City fan, Greta Thunberg is here. I do not like them travelling to the Hamptons. You have ruined my childhood. No, we're not making fun. We love Greta. We're not making fun of Well, we are making fun of Greta. but We are. <laughs> But we yeah. love her. We, I mean, the reason we're making fun of her is because clearly she has achieved more in her, what is she, like 16 years? <laughs> she has achieved more in her 16 years than we have achieved <laughs> in our whole lives. So, um, yeah, who's laughing? Um, Greta Thunberg, she's nice. Um, <laughs> this week, we love a charade or a charade, depending on how you pronounce that word. Dylan, are you a charade or a charade? I say charade. I, I'm a charade. We used to play charades. Mm, oh, maybe it is. I don't know. I think Amer- a charade is American and my dad's American. Maybe that's where I got it from. 
Oh, that could be, yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, well. We, either way, um, Dylan, do you have all the way from Greece a delicious <laughs> potted synopsis containing olives and also the plot? And a bit of taramasalata. Delicious. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, so we're at the end of season five already. I it's, know. It's been a very uh, strange, um, kooky season. <laughs> It was. If you remember, if you cast your minds back, this was referred to as the burner season. Yeah. Because they, to accommodate Cynthia Nixon and Sarah Jessica Parker, they decided not to film a full season so they could go on parental leave. Um, um, so, yeah, we, we already, it's, it's like we barely started. And it's obviously what's quite interesting about these episodes is the plot. Well... Well, we say that. The po- I was going to say we, we haven't covered a lot of territory in that we, we seem to have focused a lot on sort of Carrie's professional life. But this last episode basically sets up everything that's going to happen in season six. Yeah. So actually there's quite a lot, there's quite a lot of quite significant plot stuff this week. It's actually such a setup, isn't it? Like at the mm. very end, it's, it's such a setup. It's not one of the episodes where it jumps between the four of them so much. A lot of it no. is kind of all of them together going to the wedding in the Hamptons of mm-hmm. Bobby Fine and Bitsy Von Muffling, Nathan Lane, and I do not know the actor's name who plays Bitsy. I will find that out because obviously she has appeared multiple times. Yes, and she's back in, um, and just like that as well, she makes a, yeah. a, an unexpected, shocking return. <laughs> well, I mean, poor Bobby Fine, who yeah. who we revealed died of COVID. Yeah. Brutal. Clearly, Brutal. Nathan, clearly Nathan Lane didn't want to come back. <laughs> um, Bitsy Van Muffling is played by an actor called Julie Halston. And how amazing Julie Halston is. I'd forgotten, particularly in this first appearance, um, just so entertaining. The two of them together, Bobby Fine and Bitsy, they're great. I love She's it. She's really, really good because, and the reason that I like her is that she could be a really hateful character in that. She's obviously that totally. like old, old money kind of society totally. person. But there is something so warm and lovable about Bitsy Von Muffling when she, when she has made numerous appearances I'm looking at her career now, and this should not come as a surprise, but she's a massive, massive Broadway talent <laughs> in that she she was in A Man Who Came to Dinner, The Women, Hairspray Revival, Gypsy, Anything uh, Goes Revival, Tootsie Revival. You know, she has worked is constantly. Is that, is that all there is? <laughs> One last time for the cheap seats in the back. <laughs> I did enjoy that at the when they were a lot of their so we'll get into this a lot of their snide remarks I was not here for but no. there were a couple there were a few that I enjoyed for sure those are just some uh, mopeds going past um, for anyone who well that is that. I mean that is I think that's why we're not going to edit that out because that is a taste of grease it is and, and given that this will be going out sort of the second week of September a little a little taste of summer all a the way from Paxos sunshine yeah a little bit of sunshine um, yeah, what, what 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 am I bringing from Worthing? <laughs> Just the traffic going down the A twenty seven. Less the occasion, the occasional ambulance. <laughs> the occasional ambulance going to Worthing Infirmary. Yeah, it's <laughs> as nice as Paxos in many ways. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so who are who is Bobby Fine and Bitsy Von Muffling, Dylan? So Bobby Fine is a friend of Carrie's. Mm-hmm. Um, from her, and I'm always kind of intrigued when her life pre pre when we've been dumped into it when it's referenced. Yeah. Um, it seems she kind of 
was her was how she was in kind of season one, but even more ampl- amplified. Like it seems she loved nightlife and was always out in the clubs and like didn't have much money and was like running around New York meeting all these interesting characters. Um, mm-hmm. In the same way, we meet Lexi Featherstone in season six, who's like a party girl who knew Carrie back yeah. in the day. Um, so yeah, he's one of those. And then Bitsy uh, is she's just sort of a society woman, isn't she? Like she knows yeah. some, Samantha knows her. They work together on like a launch of something. Museum um, benefit, a music, yes, even, even more bougie. Yeah. A benefit, and we've said this before. Like benefits are a very like New York. We don't really have a benefit in London, do we? We're in the UK. Um, I do really plenty of that. stuff. Plenty of stuff for like Stonewall and Albert Kennedy. They do sort of yeah, like true. fundraising dinners. And I'm guessing that's the same thing. You you throw on a nice party and people will come and they will eat your tiny finger food and then you will hit yeah. them up for a raffle or a charity ticket or something like that. And, and of mm. course it is a, it's a way of getting funding out of wealthy socialites. Mm, yeah, totally. Meanwhile, um, Burger's back. Yes. Yes. He comes back in the Hamptons. Um, He's giving Carrie the Zazazoo, which I think you can get a cream for. <laughs> this is the first mention of the Zazazoo. I forgot about that. Fucking hell. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. I've got some... I want to talk about the Zazazoo. <laughs> but yeah, but what, what about the others? What about Miranda and Charlotte and Samantha? Because actually all of them get a fair bit of screen time this week. It feels like everyone is included. Yeah, I like that it's a... There's a lot of things I don't like about this episode, but one thing Mm -hmm. I do like is I think it's well... um, It doesn't feel disjointed at all. It feels very... It feels that it's got a very natural flow to it and all of their storylines kind of converge, I guess, because it's the finale. Um, So Miranda and Steve have a moment back together. Um, They sleep together. In the hot, which is funny because it looked really hot. I wouldn't want to have sex when it's so hot. Oh, there's a certain sort of sultry kind of Shakira um, vibe when it's like that. Like you put on a bit of She Wolf. <laughs> <laughs> um, although, n- although maybe not at the moment because she's um, she's, in, she's in trouble. Tax exile. I'm gonna say that's the well, if somebody put on Shakira when I was trying to get laid, I would just start to worry about have I paid my taxes. Um, um, I saw an amazing tweet that was like. Um, People don't get annoyed about Jeff Bezos paying his taxes, and he didn't write She Wolf or something. You, where, where's the lie? Where's the lie? Don't lie, yeah. Um, um, oh, and, posh Kira, save yeah. And then Samantha is um, sort of thinking that she should get reparations from her relationship with Richard, so mm-hmm. she um, decides she informs him that she's commandeering his house in the Hamptons for a house party. Um, and proceeds to do so with memorable results. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will talk about it. Don't worry, we're going to get to them. The What was it? The, the cantaloupe. Free, the freeloading pussy posse, was oh, it? Yeah. I, there was, I think there was a full description. There's a point as well where she just calls them fucking freeloaders, which I enjoyed. Yes. <laughs> um, and then, oh, Charlotte and Harry. Oh, oh I love. They were God, my it escalates favorite. quickly. It's funny, on this on this rewatch, I've realised... We only met Harry two weeks ago and Charlotte's ready to say I love you. Yeah, because I remembered, the way I remembered it, they kind of like trundled along and then got serious in season six. And yeah, I was the same. By the end of this, I was like, oh, they're talking about marriage and and everything. Um, Based on very little screen time. Based on very, very little screen time mm. in this episode. And I think we only have three scenes of them in total. 
but we'll mm, we'll come to yeah. them after the break. So let let's start as ever. Actually, this week let's start with Bobby Fine in yeah. his one and only appearance in the show. Bitsy will be back numerous times, um, lest we forget they actually have a child. Bobby, Bobby, and Bobby and Bitsy have a, a child in season six. Yeah. Um, have these people heard of being bisexual? Ah, uh, yeah, I wrote down the same thing because there was something. There was particularly so basically. So for listeners who might not remember, the ladies. I mean, perhaps unsurprisingly, given previous behaviour, um, make fun of the fact that a man who they assume is gay is marrying a woman who they assume is straight. Um, mm-hmm. And lots of the jokes in the it's played for laughs like throughout the episode. Yeah, um, I wasn't surprised. All very dated. Um, but there's a point when, um, there's a point when Charlotte, when, um, Carrie, she says something like, oh, Bobby's gay and Bitsy's straight, but at no point has Bobby said that he's gay. No. Like. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it is, it feels damaging and, and also perplexing because when anyone has that kind of proximity to queerness, I always sort of think what possible reason would they have to pretend like Bobby Fine runs a piano bar he's an investor in Broadway shows clearly he would be very comfortable describing himself as gay if he were gay Mm. so what possible reason could he have for entering a lavender marriage he doesn't need a beard there there can only be one reason why he wants to be with Bitsy, and that's because they're in love. Yeah. Um, and there are all sorts of, like, something I love about the way that things have gone, particularly in the last few years with, like, new generations and stuff, is what defines a relationship, which is like a running arc throughout the whole of Sex and the City, actually. Um, what defines a relationship is becoming more and more, like, malleable and elastic. Like, I've got... I've got, I was thinking about this. I've got two sets of friends um, who are um, best friends and yeah. one cis woman, in both cases, one cis woman, one gay man. And to yeah. all intents and purposes, they're couples and, and, and have said, said to me like, well, yeah, well, we're a couple. Um, but obviously they sleep with other people and are a straight woman and a gay man. So they're not a couple in that conventional sense, but they're, they are a couple. Of course. And this is the question we're going to attempt to answer this week, which is, is a relationship a relationship without the Zaza Zoo? Mm. Um, I'm assuming by Zaza Zoo, Carrie means chemistry or libidinous chemistry or even just desire, I guess, really is what she's getting at, I guess. Yeah, I think it's kind of like lust desire, isn't it? Because at one point mm-hmm. she says, like, um, the Zaza Zoo is when you just see them and you want to, like basically she doesn't say this but you want to like jump on them or like whatever yeah fuck them and fuck them um, and fuck them yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i think was it was that charlotte once said that um but um so this is a tricky one and i'm, I'm glad this has come because i think it is it's something that is genuinely weighing on my mind you know and, and mm. has influenced that has weighed on my mind in my life um about you know the way my relationship has changed and the way my body has changed and the way, you know, my life has changed. And I will yeah. say that my twenties were very about the Zazazoo. <laughs> um, 
And actually, as I moved through my 30s and now I'm in my 40s, undeniably, it's less about the Zazazu. A mixture of the medication that I'm on that has, you know, my medical transition and, and also just getting older and having had the same partner for four or five years now. You know, it's different, Carrie. And I'm interested to know, and I'm, I'm glad we can talk about this, which is, is, should I be sad about that? Should I be sad that my life isn't as full of the Zazazu as it was 10 years ago, kind of? And is Carrie, is Carrie misguided for thinking that the Zazazu is the most important thing in a relationship? Or am I... You know, because it's a, it's a very scary thing to think about, you know, at the end of this episode where Carrie says you know, there are like two types of people in the world. There are those who settle, there are those mm. who settle down, and there are those who refuse to settle for anything other than butterflies. Cue CGI butterfly. <laughs> yeah, I wrote CGI butterfly in my notes. <laughs> um, and that last line came across as very kind of like self-congratulatory to me. Like, oh, I'm not one of you lot who settles for like a blah, blah, blah. Um, so I think... And I invite listeners to uh, correct me or give other thoughts or um, contradict me or whatever you want. But I think that anyone who says there is still like exactly the same Zazazu after like a decade of being with someone is lying. <laughs> like, yeah. I think I think like that's not, that's not true. And it's not a bad thing. Like things just change like... And there are better things that come out of it. Like you get get so much more comfortable with someone. Or you get so much more um, cozy or funny with someone. Um, like with Max and I, I mean, I don't, I don't want anybody out there listening just to think that, you know, I think I have like this perfect sort of Instagram relationship that we should all be aspiring to. <sighs> but it's honestly like we have our own language. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and in a, in a, in a, a language that is so loving and, you know, that wasn't, that, you know, there, there are guys that I've been with who are, who, you know, where there's been lots of Zazazu, lots of throwdown or whatever. I think, I think Carrie has previously referred to it as throwdown. Um, I have had that, but with guys who were dreadful and were bad for me and were bad to me, they were unkind to me, they were selfish. Mm. So had I carried on hunting for guys that I was very sexually attracted to, but in lots of the ways were toxic. I mean, I mean, yes, don't get me wrong. You know, the, the idea, the ideal, I guess, is that you find someone you are physically attracted to who you are also compatible with mm. and somebody who is kind and loving and compassionate. And that's, you know, that's why I married Max. You know, <laughs> I felt <laughs> he ticked all the boxes yeah, for me. Yeah, of course. But, you know, I'm 41 now. You know, last week with Tia Coffee, we were talking about, you know, getting it on on the Bakerloo line. That's <laughs> not the relationship that Max and I have. You know, we're not, we're not doing handies on, on TFL. You know, that's not, that's not what we've got. And, but I would say with Carrie, to Carrie, it doesn't feel like I settled. It feel like I made an adult choice yeah. to marry a man that I was in love with. For yeah. lots of reasons. Yeah, totally. And yeah, I think she's being... But again, are we surprised? I think she's being unrealistic and a dreamer. Um, but that is Carrie's whole MO, so... <laughs> I mean, 
So if you remember two years ago, can you remember she met the good on paper guy, the yes. doctor, when they were, again, back in the Hamptons? Yes, and, actually, And yeah. I agree that sometimes you meet guys who are good on paper, but you just don't fancy them. Mm. That's different. I mean, I'm not in any way saying, you know, you know, evolve, marry someone you don't fancy. You know, kind of that. that's not what I'm <laughs> saying at all. But I think the idea... I mean, maybe that's why they've quite deliberately used this phrase Zazazoo, because like Zigazigar, it could mean anything, couldn't it? Yeah, and it's her like, it's her like ser- trying to search for a word to describe it and then not being yeah. able to find one, so making one up, I guess, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I guess she's right in some ways when you know, you know. You mm. know when it's right. And I mm. think that was true of Max and I, in that we, I think we knew really early on that this was going to be something significant. So maybe that's the Zazazoo. Yeah. Maybe the Zazazoo is that sense of this is preordained in some way or this is meant to be. Yeah, and it's a frustrating thing because it sounds like um, if you say to someone who's like asking for relationship advice or something, it would be such an infuriating thing to be like, oh, you when you know, you know, because it sounds like a cop-out, but it is true. <laughs> yeah, um, I think when it comes to relationships, you know, they are, and this is why it's really hard to give advice because... They are ephemeral and they are mercurial, and it's it's very hard mm. sometimes to put into words the feeling of how you knew when it was right, kind of. Mm. Um, and I I wonder if that's what Carrie meant, which is she's looking for something a little bit magic. And I think she's right to expect a degree of excitement or magic. Mm. Um, you know, I I don't think that's asking too much in a in a romantic relationship that you should feel euphoria again. Yeah, of another, course. I'm just thinking of all the other words you could have for zazazu, kind of. Yeah. And so I, I I think she's right. She she should wait for someone who floats about definitely. But um, but it's you know, this is a this is a recurring theme with Carrie because in in a year's time she'll have almost the same speech regarding Alexander Petrovsky when she gives him that. Massive monologue in Paris. Yeah, she's got high standards, which there's nothing wrong with. No. But you, but you also need to be a little bit realistic, I think, as well. You need to pair high, you need to not settle, but you need to also realise that, like, this is real life and not a Disney film. <laughs> I think you could reframe it as well. So Carrie seems to externalise Zazazu. It's mm. something that men bring to her, when in fact I think Zazazu might be something that exists within you. I think the mm. call is coming from inside the building. <laughs> and I think yes. I think you are allowed to be like, to use another cliche, it's not you, it's me. You know, yes. this isn't working for me. You know, I am not satisfied. I'm not content. I think content is a really good word. And, mm. um, and it's funny because I think as children, we teach each other to aspire to blissful happiness. Whereas actually I've realized as an adult that the, nothing has brought me more peace than contentment Mm. actually you know a a sense of i wouldn't want to be anywhere else with anyone else this is i feel at peace and you know in my 20s i wasn't looking for peace whereas now that's what i get with max i get a sense of peace but i also i also i guess without patronizing carrie I guess, <laughs> I guess she she isn't looking for peace, is she? She's looking for not right now. Real love, <laughs> um, <laughs> crazy inconvenient, inconvenient love. Yeah, she's uh, looking for inconvenience, is what she's looking 
asking for. Um, something, <laughs> something I was going to say about this episode is it is interesting because um, it redeems itself because they, it's got all the ladies making fun of Bitsy and um, Bobby at the beginning, mm-hmm. but then it kind of concludes that like they they should be more open minded and they, these two people make each other happy. It is the kind of end conclusion of the episode, I think. Um, yeah, and they do that. They do that in a couple of ways. So at the very top mm. of the wedding, after Bobby and Bitsy have got married, um, Nathan Lane. Who I mean, let's face it, Nathan Lane is an amazing performer. He, you know, does say, you know, if you had any money on it, it is real love. And yeah, Carrie yeah. sort of backs down and says she didn't have a penny on it. Yeah. And also, as well, through the mirror of looking at Marcus and Stanford's relationship, mm. where clearly Michael Patrick King had sort of thought, right, well, we've got Willie Garson up against an actor who looks like Marcus, who does kind of look like a model. Yeah. You know, is that is that a little unrealistic, especially on the ferociously body toxic gay scene? Yeah. Um, does, you know, does, does this quite add up? And so, of course, Marcus, earlier in the episode, when the friends are very meanly speculating about Bobby and Bitsy, Marcus says, well... Maybe maybe she makes him laugh, or maybe they make each other a laugh. Yeah. And then at the very top of the episode, we see Stanford making Marcus laugh hysterically. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we understand perhaps what the core of their relationship is, which is Marcus finds Stanford hilarious, and that's yeah. why he's in love with him. Which, to be honest, finding somebody funny is much more important than finding them appealing visually. Let's oh, God, honest. 100%, yeah. Um I also thought it was just just very. I made like a small note on Marcus and Stamford. I love. Mm-hmm. I really liked that and remembered it from when I had first seen the episode. Um, the brief shot of them with the baby with Brady. Yeah. Um, because I, and that had a real impact on me when I first saw it because I had never seen it before in my life, and I wonder if it was the first or one of the first um, shots of like a gay couple with a baby, like looking after a, cause that back then, like 20 years ago, like the thought of a gay couple looking after a baby was probably quite, um, subversive for some people. It was, yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. And again, one of those shames, cause obviously remember we're a, we, we never find out what happens to Marcus Adan. He yeah. has vanished between season six and the first movie, mm. um, to enable the Anthony and Stanford stuff, which I, ne- which I was never a fan of, to be honest. No, no. Um, so yeah, that that was I. I actually, it's funny because I came away from this episode really liking Bobby and Bitsy, yeah, <laughs> and same. actually liking liking Miranda a bit less, and in particular, Miranda's very very down on it, um, very down yeah. on their union, saying that she finds it to be a sham and that she doesn't believe it. She thinks it's a mockery. The pink of love. suede elephant in the room. Let's before we go to break, we do need to. We should probably bring back Berger while we while we deal with yes. Carrie. So so Berger is back. Again, very handsome, but yeah. red flags. The red flags were there. Yeah, this man. This man is an emotional train wreck. He's he's very. He's got whiffs of the soft boy about him, hasn't he, Burger? Mm-hmm. Um, I did love like SJP as always. So good when she just keeps talking, and you're like, <laughs> oh no, stop it, stop it, stop it. Like she does it so well when she's like, and you see Burger's face sort of like starting to starting to change and as a chronic <laughs> as a chronic oversharer i relate to that i've been i've been carrie in that situation mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also, yeah so so for context if you've not recently rewatched the episode yeah. carrie by total random chance mm, as a writer mm, um by random <laughs> happenstance 
um, Carrie and Berger run into each other at a roadside like service station. Um, again, fortuitously, plot wise, and Berger has split up with his girlfriend, who he was with not four weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. um, convenient. They have, convenient. They've split up. So while they're all in the Hamptons, Carrie and Berger go for a little picnic where Carrie has total verbal diarrhea. <laughs> <laughs> And Berger leaves so quickly on his motorbike, he leaves skid marks, which I thought, <laughs> I enjoyed that line quite a lot. It's quite a memorable one. And I did... can show you the yeah. skid marks. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed carrying that bit. Um, <laughs> did you also notice when he first, when they first bump into each other at the roadside bit, I don't know if this was deliberate or not, but what, as he's taking off his helmet, you hear a woman in the background saying, hey, you want a burger? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I hope so. Um, and I'm pleased to say as well, the, the flirting invisible laptop has gone this time as well. Yeah. To be replaced by an invisible motorbike at one point. Um, but yeah, I, I just... It just feels like, is that how easy men scare? Yeah. Like this, that he jumped... So what's, the, what's his reason for jumping on the motorbike? Was that it's... Carrie was like, what does she describe herself as? Emotionally slutty. I think it's just baggage. Like, he sees all this, like, baggage, doesn't he? And flees. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, like, I got the impression that they were... And this becomes their problem d- further down mm-hmm. the line. I got the impression that they were already irritating each other a bit. Like, <laughs> that. And I'm like, if this is the second... This is the, what, like, third time you've met and you're already pissing each other off, like, maybe it's not a good idea. <laughs> I wonder what the, I wonder what the master plan was for Berger. I wonder, I always wonder, was he meant to be endgame? Like, was he meant mm. to persist throughout season six? And actually, did they just realise the chemistry wasn't quite there? And I will say that I, because obviously we're going to keep coming back to this. So on their first date, Berger flees. The first time they have sex is a disaster. Yeah. Then, Obviously, ultimately, he leaves her in the middle of the night, leaving her with a post-it, which yeah. you'll get to in good time. But this guy is kind of shit. They do not have good Zazazu. In fact, if anything, it's a bit of a fucking disaster. But I, well, that's why I like it, though. Like, I like that she has, like, a, a kind of disastrous relationship with a guy who's, like, not a very good idea. Because that's what happens to thousands of people <laughs> in real life. Do you know? You are very, very right. <laughs> And I think, do you know what it is? It feels a bit like, and I've done this before in the past, like once upon a time I dated a photographer, um, oh, once yeah. upon a time I was dating another writer, and you sort of think, oh, this would be, this, this, this would be so good in a rom-com, mm. like two writers, you know, we'll just drink coffee all day and, you know, just tell each other about our projects. It doesn't work. No, doesn't it doesn't work, work in reality. And I, I think that's the thing. I think Carrie really wants Burger to work, yeah. but he never does. And you know what? It's so it's so interesting because like there have been t- I've I've been through the same thing with um mm-hmm. fellow kind of I don't want to say fellow creatives because that sounds so fucking like I hate myself but um but yeah people like me should we say um and yeah it doesn't the idea of it is lovely and there are great parts about it like it can be very entertaining and like I was saying in the first episode where we met Burger 
I love Carrie and Berger's dialogue because it's like, yes, these are two writers together talking and you can really tell, but it doesn't work. It's a train wreck. <laughs> Always. I wonder if that was the pun that they're two Carries. Like, he's like yeah, a male he's a carry. Carrie. He is. He's a Carrie. And in fact, maybe I can imagine the showrunners saying that, being like, should we have her date? Should we do like a, have her dating a male carry? <gasps> do you know what? I bet that's I what they bet did. I bet they did. I yeah. bet somewhere... Please, if you are Cindy Tupac or Michael Patrick King, <laughs> I reckon somewhere down the line they said, right, Carrie is going to date the male Carrie. Yeah. God, he Nailed is, it. There you go. He is. Sorted. Right. Let's take a little break because actually yeah. that revelation, I'm, I'm going to need to sit down after that one. <laughs> um, join us again in a second where we're going to talk cantaloupes, <laughs> lilacs, and Chanel Judaism <laughs> as an ethno-religion. Oh, God. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to So I Got to Thinking. This week we're talking about Season 5, Episode 8, the series finale. I love a charade or shrod. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Fab. Um, so I think we've addressed is a relationship a relationship without the Zazazu. I think we've dealt with that. We're answered it, we're fine. Um mm. so let's let's come to the others. Shall we start off with Samantha? Yeah, so for me, the pink suede elephant in the room of this episode mm-hmm. and of this season, Samantha, if I'm correct, I was doing some research just before we came on. Samantha mm-hmm. has not has not had sex in season five. She <laughs> Had some over-the-clothes action with Richard on a plane to Atlantic City. Yeah, yeah. But as far as we know, Samantha has not had sex for a whole season. On screen. No, you're correct. She has not had sex on screen, no. Who'd Who'd have thought? Samantha. Have any of them? Well, yeah, that has... Charlotte. Charlotte had sex with with, um, Harry. Yeah. But I was but I was thinking about that as well actually. It's been dumbed down. There's been no like um there's been no explicit sex. And I wonder if there was a reason for that. Maybe it got maybe it got moved. Maybe it's maybe time it's on, slot Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe moved. it's on a bit earlier, yeah. Um yeah. yeah. 
Interesting. But yes, yeah, Samantha is having throwing her A-list party in Richard's house um, while wearing an incredible outfit. <laughs> oh, the Chanel headscarf was so stunning. The Chanel headscarf and then that like 60s dress and the slicked back mm-hmm. hair I loved. <laughs> um, she she has a party. What is it? Party crashing pussy posse is who is who arrives up, and I I do love them. Where's their spin off? Um, Richard's kind of Richard's kind of gold digging freeloaders, <laughs> which is quite a negative stereotype about yeah. women. I think I would have loved a line of dialogue in there about how they're all like like brown university kind of yeah, like science majors kind of like, like if they'd. If they turned around and were like, oh, well, actually, she's studying in blah, 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 or yeah. something. Like, hello, she's Richard's oncologist. <laughs> like, yeah. would have been, that would have been just, like, Hilarious. The, mm, delicious. Or I thought I would have loved it if um, it would have made it even more, like, of a bite to Samantha as well. If it had been Jenny Bryer and her friends, like, all grown <laughs> up, who had come back. Can you imagine? Oh, my God, yes. <laughs> oh, it's Kat Dennings, isn't it? Get Kat, Kat Dennings, Dennings yeah. back uh, Oh, that oh, that could have just been incredible. Yeah, I would fucking think I'd fuck them and their gay boyfriends. Um, <laughs> had they turned up at the pool party with both NSYNC and Lad Spass's gay boyfriends, that would have been just next next level. Next level. Because Sex and the City has looked at bimbos before, or bimbofication with the amazing the lawyer from Disney. When yes. when they go to Los Angeles and Mariah, Miranda <laughs> thinks she's talking to a sex worker, and she's like, "I'm a lawyer at Disney." Yeah. Um, <laughs> to be fair to Sex and the City, they don't often do that vibe, do they? They don't often make fun of like the quote unquote bimbo, and they do it a tiny right. bit with this one, but not too much. Because obviously, Amelita, um, yeah, yeah, the Euro yeah. trash who Carrie is very forgiving. Um, but again, everybody like everybody making fun of like breast enlargements just feels a bit nineties. Yeah, it's, it's a like... bit dated. Although I yeah. did enjoy Harry saying greetings from Silicon Valley. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> um, all that and as well, people literally in glass houses because yeah. not three weeks ago Samantha was having her freshening chemical peel. Yeah. So are, are we are we in a position to be making fun of cosmetic surgery? Oh, no. Yeah. <laughs> Next season, Samantha is going to go for breast augmentation. Yeah. Um. Come on, pull, let's keep track can, of the continuity. Yeah, you can't pool hang today. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's annoying that they were eating her crisps. That's, yeah, I would that's be fuming. Rude. I would like, be did absolutely, you those crisps? I would be absolutely fuming. But um, yeah, I mean, not much to glean from this storyline, really. Like, Samantha throws a cantaloupe through a glass window and, like, embarrasses herself a bit. Um, and then at the end, she's like, what's the opposite of Zaza Zoo? And Miranda says Zaza ooh, which is like not funny. I think somebody <laughs> was holding a gun just off camera. The way Cynthia Nixon <laughs> delivered that line was that you have to say it. It's in the script. I bet Cynthia Nixon was like, "This is shit. <laughs> yeah, this is bad. Come on." Although I, I say this, it's, I've got to think of a, I've got to think of like a killer opening line to one of my TV projects. It's really hard Ooh, when somebody's saying, pressure. have you got something funnier? Have you got something? Just, oh, we need no. something really funny there. And I'm like, <laughs> And I struggle Ooh. with, I don't know about, I don't know about you, but um, when I'm, as a writer with either creative stuff or otherwise, it's the openers that I struggle with the most. Like, how do I start mm. this? What do, how do I, yeah. I, oh. I really struggle with, when when I'm left to my own devices, I, I find being funny is fine. But when the, the, the Producers like she says, we need a jerk here. And oh, I'm like, yeah. oh no, no, there isn't any. Can she uh, yeah. have to say cunt? <laughs> that's usually that's usually what I do in those situations. <laughs> cunt. Um, 
um, so yeah, poor Samantha, not over Richard, but all as well. It's very hard to feel sorry for her. Miranda and Steve. She'll be fine in season six as well, Samantha. She's She's yeah, it's it's all going to be fine. Yeah. Um, Miranda and Steve. Um, yeah, really liked. So they they get back together. They have sex. Um, after they're sort of in a grey area anyway, aren't they? A bit like they've got the baby and they're kind of like negotiating. They feel a bit like they're together and they're but they've also broken up and it's all a bit strange. And then they just have sex one evening or one afternoon. Um, Steve's brought flowers over that Samantha that Miranda loves. Um, I loved it. I thought it was such a lovely natural scene and it made sense to me. And again, it's not the kind of Zazazoo that Carrie's speaking about. Yes, totally. And I, so I think that's... So there was at least some awareness that love doesn't necessarily always look the way Carrie thinks it's going to look. Yeah. And I think that's something that I've learned as I've got older as well, which is stop stop trying to make your life into a Hollywood rom-com. Yeah. You know, because actually a lot of the tropes that you see in Hollywood rom-coms, like enemies to lovers. It's like, that's a fucking abusive man who is abusing you. You don't want him to become your lover. Like when you look at films like She's All That, you know, you know, <laughs> Freddie Prince Jr.'s character is a shit who makes fun of a girl. And then she teaches him to be a better, more tolerant person. And then they fall in love. Fuck mm. that shit. Mm. I'm not here to teach you how not to be a dickhead. Kind no. Of. You know, and, and I think that's that's the problem when you grow up on a lot of kind of a lot of sitcoms or Hollywood movies. You know, you 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 internalize these weird tropes, whereas actually Miranda and Steve's relationship is fucking chaos. Yeah. You know, he's a one night stand that hung around. She was vile to him. He still hung around. They broke up because of money issues. They got back together. She then got they pregnant. broke up. Well, no, they, then they broke up again. Because of their maturity issues, because Steve got the dog and couldn't look after it. Yeah. Then they broke up. Then he had one ball removed. Then they fucked as a pity fuck, and she got pregnant. Then he proposed with a borrowed ring, and she said no. And then they had sweaty sex on a hot day. You know, and sometimes that's what love looks like. And then Miranda met Che Diaz. (laughs) So that's where we are now. (laughs) And with the words... Hey, it's Che Diaz. <laughs> the world ended. Oh, poor Steve. Oh, Steve. When you put it like that, it is it is total chaos. I was going to say, um, with when you said about, like, that we... Because obviously we, me and you, grew up with, like, sitcoms and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, Friends and all those kind of sitcoms. And I was going to say, oh, at least kids these days have, have better, more realistic stuff to base their relationships on. And then I remembered Euphoria. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I mean... <laughs> I guess it is more realistic in some ways. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I like to think that Euphoria slightly knows what it's doing. Oh, completely. I mean, mean, for me, the the worry, the the interesting one is Heartstopper, which Mm. is lovely. I Mm. I think I liked it more than you liked it. You know my my thoughts on it. I know, (laughs) and I know know the cast, and I know Alice, and I did, I loved Heartstopper, and I cried and cried and cried, because that's what I wish my life had been like. Mm. But what I will say, if you are a young LGBT person listening to this podcast, don't wait too long for a Nick Nelson to come along. Yes. You know, I spent a lot of my teenage years lusting after the rugby team as well, and they just called me a faggot. 
<laughs> none of them fell in love with me and saved me from my eating disorder. That's, that's oh just going to put that one out there. Oh my God, reality bomb. <laughs> yes. this, this is, this is, I, I can't think, why haven't I been asked to write Heartstopper? I, just, I don't know. Um, um, it's a fantasy. It's a lovely fantasy. Yes. It's a gorgeous fantasy. Yes. But don't move into a fantasy. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. like Carrie, it's, it can be an oubliette. You yeah. can get stuck in fantasy, actually. Thank you. I learned it from <laughs> Labyrinth. Um, I liked Carrie when she said, um, when, so her and Miranda were talking about, like, sleep, were sort of joking about that she had slept with Steve. Mm-hmm. And Miranda was like, why can't you just have a baby with someone and sleep with them without giving the wrong impression? And Carrie <laughs> turns around and says, that being what? That you're happy. In like a kind of, not in a bitchy way, but in a kind of like, maybe you're just happy and maybe you shouldn't worry about it so much, mm-hmm. which I kind of liked her for that. Um, and you can see Miranda's a bit like, oh, yeah, maybe, maybe it's fine. Um, and of course, jumping ahead one episode, of course, when Miranda says, I'm in love with Steve, Carrie <laughs> goes, oh my God. Uh, oh <laughs> like my it's one of those God, where I think I... everybody could see that those two had some... And then I, business. in the same way, I also enjoyed it in this one where like right after the sex scene, it just cuts to Miranda just being like, I slept with Steve, <laughs> <laughs> which I find, I found funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, um, love them. And this is, not to be a, a, just the voice of reason, the voice of doom, but this is why the Che Diaz stuff sucks. Because yeah. we really grew up on Miranda and Steve. We did. You know, kind of. And Hurricane and Che just, Diaz just tore it all apart in front of us. <laughs> with very with very little consideration for Steve in the mix, but yeah. Oh well, oh well. Maybe the maybe there's another season. Maybe things will get. I don't know. Well, let's mm. let's see what happens. We can we'll wait and see. And finally, um, Harry and Charlotte, who we also love. Um, yeah, Charlotte's learning. So yeah, she behaves abominably. She criticizes his back hair. You can't change a man. You, you, you can't change a woman. You cannot fundamentally change someone, and nor should you try to. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she kind of realises that, which is good, I think. Um, mm. She, um, I, a, a scene that I loved was them eating pizza in bed, because it's yes. like a very un-Charlotte thing, and it was a real sign of, like, the good, the positive impact he's having on her, like... When she's around him, she's like less, um, she's uninhibited and she's like less uptight and less kind of, um, she's much freer when she's around him. So I thought, Mm -hmm. I thought that was nice. Um, And I also adored when, as much as I didn't like the digs at Bitsy and Bobby, I adored when he made the little joke, like at the wedding when he was like, and that's the piece of information she's been bond muffling. And the other ladies all kind of gave approving looks to Charlotte, like, yeah. oh, he can, he can, we oh. like this one. Yeah, like, they were impressed. I loved that. I'm trying to find the cut scene of Trey McDougall oh. turning up at this pool party, oh. which I've got a horrible feeling has been pulled off. Oh, no. Was it on YouTube? Um, right, let's see. Our favourite deleted show- scene shows a horrified Charlotte bumping into her ex-husband Trey McDougall in the Hamptons with her very sunburned beau, Harry Goldenblatt. Um, here we have the, delete- the deleted scene. Trey's here. He came with Fitzy's brother, didn't know it was Samantha's party. He's coming this way. Bye, Harry. Say bye-bye, Brady. Why do I have to see him like this for the first time? Just put your shirt back on. What, you're ashamed of me now? This is your fault. Just 
Cover up, please. Cover up. Well, this is quite a surprise. Hi. Yes, yes, it is. <clears throat> How you doing? Harry Goldenblatt, I handled your divorce. Oh. Well, so that's a fine how do you do. Uh, Charlotte, honey, could you put a little sunscreen on my back? There you go. So I'm not quite sure what that would have achieved. So she's embarrassed of um, Harry in front of... That's quite significant because she's clearly, like, embarrassed of um, Harry in front of Trey. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm struggling to... I wonder if there were more cutscenes because I don't quite see how that scene ties to what happens to them at the top of the episode where... Um, where she tells him that she's falling in love with him. Um, so I can, see, I can see why the scene was cut. Look at it that way. Yeah. It all seems to just... I wonder if um, they... If, if there was maybe supposed to be an episode nine and they had to splice everything together very quickly because it does seem very quick. Maybe the Hamptons wedding was a two-parter, potentially. Maybe, yeah. I, I just... I, I, I just can't think what that was. Or was it that Cal McLaughlin had an episode left contractually? So he mm. was they re, he was required to film. I, I just don't know. Mm. But um so yeah, that was that so that should have been the final appearance of Trey McDougal. Interesting. Um, and I mean Charlotte gets that coming. You know, Charlotte, you know, forcing Harry to wax his back. You know, she <laughs> she had that one coming. Um but but then yes, so we do we we set we are we're setting things up for season six. So we've got Miranda and Steve gonna get back together. Burger and Carrie oh, gonna start dating, and now we have not it has to be said my favorite plot of Sex in the City, which is Charlotte's conversion to Judaism. Uh, yeah, which yeah m- more more than anything has always felt a little turn deaf. Um, they do sometimes lean into. Stereotypes. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't, not necessarily anti-Semitic, but certainly cultural stereotypes always have the potential to do damage because you are reducing. Um, and it's interesting. I, I saw somebody discussing um, the difference between converting to um, Judaism and kind of sort of converting to sort of any other religion in that Judaism is kind of like an ethno religion, yeah. which is it has, it has kind of also existed kind of as a sort of a, like an ethnic group alongside being a faith group yeah. as well. Yeah. So it's, so Charlotte going into Judaism as, as an Episcopalian white woman who has not been raised Jewish is kind of coming into the faith without a lot of the baggage that you would have had you grown up Jewish. You know, mm. Charlotte has never experienced anti-Semitism in her whole life, mm. whereas many, many Jewish people have. So um, there is a conversation around privilege and the way that Charlotte almost dances into Judaism for a man. Mm. Um, so it's one that we can continue to discuss going into next season. But more than anything, it's just not the most interesting plot. No, and it's. I think it's another one of those similar to Samantha and Richard that just goes on that little bit too long. <laughs> I would fully agree, and that it does feel Charlotte's conversion does take a good good chunk of season six. Yeah. I'm afraid. So, um, yeah. Um, although it does does lead to one of my favourite ever episodes, which we'll get to in season six. Oh. Um, you'll know exactly which scene I mean. The scene at the synagogue mixer, which if I need to let if I need to let some boo-hoos out, that is one of my go-to 
Um, <laughs> my, one of my gorgeous but I don't let's not get ahead of ourselves because yeah. we're gonna do a whole episode about it. Fear not. Yeah. Um but there we go, we have reached the end of Little Teeny Tiny season five, Dylan. Yeah, a a, a little a little potted season. A little potted <laughs> season. Um I have I have a proposal for you, Dylan. Oh yeah. Like, here we go. I've been thinking. Yeah. Like, and just like that isn't going to be out for like another year. Yeah. But I don't want to end on on just like that. So what if we return later in the year with the first half of season six? Now, fans, calm yourselves. When it was first aired, season six was split into two halves. Um, So actually we are following the traditional broadcast pattern. It would be very rude if we didn't emulate HBO, I think. Exactly. They know what they're doing, HBO. Mm -hmm. House of the Dragon is quite good. (laughs) (laughs) We enjoy Euphoria, yeah. Euphoria, Uh, um, White Lotus, Succession, all great. So yeah, we're just going to... Following HBO's footsteps and do... Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's do it. HBO, I'm poor. Please hire me. (laughs) I love you, HBO. I'll work for you as well. If you want me to write like a sort of um, queer uh, TV show. If you want me to basically write... I'll write like season four of Euphoria if you want me to. Mm -hmm. Just hire me. (laughs) None of the cast will be left. They've all quit. But... um, (laughs) But yeah, so I think that's what we're going to do. So we will, in the same way that HBO and Channel 4 broadcast the original run, we will have a season six, part one. Yes. Basically everything before she meets Alexander Petrovsky and then a season six, part two, everything after she meets Alexander Petrovsky. Maybe we we could call it season one, part une and season one, part deux. In honour of the Paris episodes. (laughs) Yeah. And of course, then we what we will do is we will sandwich and just like that season two in the middle of yes. season six. Because the last thing we want to do is go out on a slightly down note. And we'll Although presumably up... that, that will be Sex and City 2. <laughs> so <laughs> we want to save that for last, basically. Or it might be on just like that season five. Who knows? No! <laughs> no! We're going to be 60 years old recording on just like that season 17. <laughs> with the original, with, with all the cast growing up with like Brady and Lily and Rose oh, kind no. of in their 30s. <laughs> ah! um, no, firm no to that. But um, so that's, I think, what we're going to do. So fear not, listeners, our lovely listeners. We're very, very, very close to our millionth listen. As I know, well. amazing. So, very close to our millionth listener. So yeah. um, we will um, we will be back in the winter with season six, part uh. Until then. See you next Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, bye. Have a good autumn, everyone, and we'll see you later. Bye. Goodbye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 
Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.